Wherever you are in your adoption journey, we are a community centered around love, trust, and respect for the experience and opportunities that have made us families. We promise to share, encourage, support, and celebrate the day-to-day of adoptive mamahood together. I'm Liz. And I'm Sarah. And together, we are Two Adoptive Mamas. Welcome to Two Adoptive Mamas. Today it is a little mama mini-sode, or at least that's what Sarah and I call them, when we hop on uh, to take a deep dive into something that we've been discussing on the podcast um, in another episode, or maybe just something that God has laid on our hearts um, to be able to share with you. Uh, So we're really excited to be together and do that today. Um, So last week, if you caught it, we had an adoption consultant on, uh, Ms. Mackenzie Myatt, and she really shared a lot about what it was like to maximize the process um, with an adoption consultant agency. And we know there are a lot of ways uh, that you can enter into domestic infant adoption in the States. Um, But that being said, I think it would be really helpful um, just to talk a little bit more about what it's like to interact and communicate with birth parents. Um, And because one of us, Sarah, (laughs) um, is going through the domestic infant adoption, well, has gone through the domestic infant adoption process, Um, and recently has gone through um, another, as she shared on the podcast, I'm going to really kind of turn the mic over to her um, tonight. And we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to have openness pre-placement. So hi, Sarah. Yeah. Hi. And if you follow us on social media, specifically on Instagram, you might have seen um, the little teaser in our what are they? The Saturday family post. We try to <laughs> we try to give a glimpse. It's usually on Saturday or Sunday, um, into what's going on behind the scenes, but very much so at the forefront of our personal family scene. Um, so, like Liz said, we have gone through the domestic process before, and now we are currently going through it for a second time. And um, if you are an adoptive parent or if you're a prospective parent, it's important to know that um, while you might go through the same titled process like domestic or international adoption, um, no two processes will ever look the same. So tonight we'll talk about that with openness. Yeah, I'm really excited. So why don't you first kick us off here, Sarah, and can you tell us a little bit about the different terms that we use. And again, for those of you who maybe have walked this particular journey, um, they're really familiar. Uh, But I can tell you from an international adoption perspective, we don't typically have this um, conversation. We don't typically have this level of communication with the birth parents, especially pre-placement. So what does it mean to have openness or semi-open? Just break it down for us. Yeah. So again, if you've walked this, this will probably seem somewhat elementary, but um, I think that it's good to kind of just peel back some of the layers and um, define a few things. So first, you can either have a closed adoption, an open adoption, or a semi-open adoption. Um, So what does that look like? With a closed adoption, you have a birth parent or birth parents 
choosing not to have any contact with you before or after the child has been placed for adoption. Um, I would say that this was definitely more common, um, quote unquote, back in the day. Um, and actually, I was just recently reading an article about how most adoptions nowadays are open and there is some level of contact. So if it's not a closed adoption, it might be a semi-open adoption. And so therefore, um, you know, your relationship with a birth parent probably doesn't include any identifying information like last names or cities that you live in, anything like that. Um, but after a child has been placed, a semi-adoption, a semi-open adoption, excuse me, um, probably includes emailing photos and letters. There's different um, software platforms, I guess you could say, or database databases. I don't know. I'm not a very techie person, <laughs> um, but there's different platforms in which you can share information and therefore you are not sharing um, personal identifying information, but that you would be able to exchange messages, letters, pictures, and things like that between birth parents and adoptive parents. Um, and then if an adoption is open, then you're sharing information, including identifying information, agreeing to, you know, kind of ongoing contact over the years um, and so this will include, you know, phone calls, Zoom or Skype, um, visiting with each other in person, um, and again, letters and email and pictures and things like that. So those are kind of the three different pieces of um, openness or not openness when it comes to adoption. Okay, that was really helpful. So let's go into another definition before we kind of hear more about your experience or um, the thoughts you want to share. What is PACA in adoption? Yeah, so sometimes the PACA can seem like a scary word, and it shouldn't. Um, it, you know, everything in the adoption process has to be formalized, legalized. If it's not written down and signed, it doesn't really count, right? So a PACA is an opportunity um, for biological family members, namely birth parents, um, to have an enforceable legal, um, you know, contract for contact between a child who has been adopted, the adoptive parents and the birth parents. Um, and so this, you know, um, this again can seem daunting, but I think whenever you're going through the process, um, you know, you have a conversation with your caseworker um, and kind of what you can expect as termination of parental rights approaches and kind of what the preferences are as far as, um, again, openness or not. Um, our personal experience with our daughter was a semi-open adoption and therefore there was no PACA um, signed and it was kind of more of a gentleman's agreement that we would provide updates and pictures for the first year through the agency. And then we would continue to reach out. We did have some identifying information um, to be able to send updates, but there was nothing legal. So again, I don't think that, don't let a PACA be frightening or the fact that it's a legal agreement um, be discouraging to you, but rather it's something to have a conversation about before placement. Okay, that was really helpful. So let's um, kind of dive into your experience or the things that are on your heart to share tonight about uh, openness and pre-placement. Where, where do you want to start? <laughs> yeah, so of course, you know, 
a goal of ours always on the podcast is to preserve a family's story, a child's story. Um, we share a lot on here, but also our children are those who, or those who will um, join our home in the future. It's it's their story to tell. Um, however, with our first, I will share that with our first adoption experience, it was it was quick, um, and I think I shared that in our introductory episode. And so the the opportunity to build relationship and have any level of openness pre-placement truly didn't exist. Um, however, we are walking through the process a second time and have had almost half a year um, to build a relationship and have an open um, open communication prior to placement. Um, so this is nerve-wracking for my husband and I, not because we didn't desire that openness, um, but it was just new. Um, so there's kind of three things that I've tried to keep at the forefront of my mind and our minds as we have um, had the opportunity and gift truly of getting to know um, biological families. So first of all, manage your expectations. Um, it's one thing to become aware of a situation to read it on paper, and then to actually have the opportunity to build a relationship with someone. And that goes for anyone, right? Whether it's your best friend down the street, um, you know, your your spouse or a coworker or a potential birth parent, um, you know, no one ever acts like they are, like they might read on paper, right? Um, we all have unique personalities and giftings. And so um, you have to manage your expectations as far as you know, how open someone might be right off the bat. Um, they might be hesitant too. And this is new and potentially nerve wracking for everyone. Um, and as much as you are probably wondering what they might think about you, they are equally nervous about what you might think of them, even though, you know, they've looked at your profile book. And even though you have been vetted by your home study agency, and it seems like every leaf has been uncovered. Um, it's kind of the human part of this when you actually get to have a conversation and hear someone's voice on the other end of the phone. Um, and it can be nerve wracking. So just manage your expectations. I think that's a really good uh, recommendation for anyone who is entering the adoption process, but particularly in this situation. So thanks for sharing that one. <laughs> yeah. So the next thing, and I have to tell myself this on a daily basis, but try to stay cool. So it's hard when you're navigating the emotions of, you know, an upcoming placement um, to overthink everything. And that goes for both sides of the coin. Um, and so you have to try to stay cool. And I have not always been a very good example of this, but um, there are ways in open situations where you can exchange information and be set up with like a Google voice number or something to that effect um, that you can have phone, video or texting communication without necessarily having a social worker um, present for a conversation. And I should say that this doesn't happen right off the bat, but once you've had a couple conversations that have been guided, you know, by an agency, if there's a level of comfortability by both an adoptive family and a birth family, then you can both agree to this type of communication. Um, but once that happens, it kind of opens a can of worms because then 
it's not a scheduled call. You kind of have to put yourself out there if you're going to send a text message, um, you know, or ask if they want to have a phone call. There's a chance that they won't respond or that you might not get the response you were hoping for. Um, so again, it's managing expectations and also trying to keep your cool, not reading into a response or a lack of response um, and just realizing that this is new for everyone. So I say that knowing full well that that is much easier said than done, um, but trust in the process, communicate with your social worker when you're having those feelings of nervousness or, hey, I reached out, I haven't heard anything. Do you have an update for me? You know, it's okay to to over communicate in that way to the supports that are put in place for you as well. Okay, and then kind of the third thing um, is that I have learned in communicating primarily via text um, that it's okay sometimes, you know, if I'm thinking of a birth family, I might send a message that just says, hey, you know, I was doing this or that to kind of help um, get ready for when placement takes, you know, occurs. And I was just thinking of you and I hope that you're doing well today and I hope that you're feeling well and just know that you're loved and prayed for. And when you send a message like that, you have to realize, and again, I'm saying this to myself as much as I'm sharing it with you, that that text doesn't necessarily necessarily elicit a response. However, I think that it, you know, messages like that, if they are well received, can be very encouraging and just to know for a birth family or a birth parent to know that they are being thought of and prayed for and that someone is already beginning the caring process of being able to welcome their child into, you know, um, their family, then that can be really encouraging. Um, I also have found it helpful that at times if you're kind of looking to get a read on how they're feeling or, um, you know, not, not necessarily what they're up to, but just how they are doing. Don't ask, how are you? Say maybe, you know, how are you today? Um, kind of narrow that, um, that conversational topic to a day. Or how are you this afternoon? Or how are you this morning? Um, I think it's important to remember, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, that adoption comes from brokenness there's beauty in the brokenness, but often as you sit down to reflect on an upcoming placement and how your family may be growing, there's a lot of pain and a lot of uncertainty um, and a lot of hard on the other end of, you know, the recipient of your message. So I think it's good to kind of, again, narrow that field and ask them, how are you today? Because asking them in general, or how was your week? Um, you know, that can be very overwhelming, um, especially when they're finding themselves in a hard or challenging place. Um, so that would just kind of be my other piece of advice. Um, but, you know, all in all, uh, we are not experts at this, <laughs> my husband and I. It's definitely on our hearts. And I'm definitely, if you can't tell, I'm treading pretty lightly because I want to kind of preserve where our family is at at this time. But I've been open on the show before that we are pursuing a second domestic adoption. Um, and so, you know, we've learned a lot through a process that has taken more than two years. Um, we, you know, have used a consultant and we have, you know, just navigated a lot of 
different um, I don't know, supports that we've also brought to the show and tried to unpack for all of you. Again, because every journey, every placement, every adoption looks very different. Um, so my hope in just having this mama mini sewed is that um, you can kind of get a real life snapshot of someone who is living this in the day to day and kind of what um, is going through my mind as we navigate this. Love it. Thank you, Sarah, for sharing. And thank you for um, your openness and your openness pre-placement. There it is. Yeah, to be continued. <laughs> to be continued. For all of our listeners, remember, you've got this, Mama. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode or know someone who could benefit from our show, the best thing you can do is leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're grateful to be hosting the Two Adoptive Mamas podcast for a third season. Learn more about how you can support our ongoing work through our Patreon at twoadoptivemamas.com. As always, it's been fun. Until we meet again, remember, you've got this, Mama. Mama.